nigga free. That mean I ain't gotta worry about no fuck nigga cheat. And I'm S I N G L E again. Y'all by hanging out the window with my ratchet ass friends. I'm L R E E, fuck nigga free. That mean I ain't gotta worry about no fuck nigga cheat. And I'm S I N G L E again. Y'all by hanging out the window with my ratchet ass friends. I'm G to the L to the O, big glow. You can catch me out in trap tennis, slime with your hoes. I ain't popping out at parties, gotta boot me for a show. You say, yeah, be living fast, nah. All right, well, uh... Thank you, Lucky Stars, that you're not in uh, New York City right about now. And if you are in New York City right about now, uh, my condolences. But uh, anyway, what are you going to do? Good stuff. Uh, Always a bikini party somewhere in a diverse subway. Hope you're doing well. Good to see you all. Uh, thank you for uh, tuning in. If you're joining us live, uh, uh, if you are joining us live, I do apologize for I'm a little bit late here today, uh, but that's how it goes sometimes. We actually were at a wake uh, this past Sunday, and actually we took off a couple of days, uh, spending uh, some time in um, in a cabin in the woods. Literally, no internet, no TV, no nothing. Uh, so I came back here a little bit later today, uh, not too many hours ago. And uh, this, you know, it's like, should I do it today? I'm kind of tired. It's like, ah, there's, I'll look around a little bit. And of course, as usual, uh, there's ample stuff to uh, to cover. I thought, why not come on with you guys, uh, do a little bit of a show. If I do sound a bit tired, I do apologize. I don't mean to uh, uh, bitch and uh, whine. Uh, but if I'm a little bit out of shape, then you know why. Anyway, should be back to 100% uh, by tomorrow, I think. But anyway, thank you for joining us. I uh, do appreciate you. So if you want to join in today, enterprisem.live slash TV. We are going out to a couple of other places. Of course, our websites, redice.tv. We're going out to redicemembers.com. Uh, but you can also tune in at rumble.com forward slash user forward slash TV and odyssey.com forward slash at Red Ice TV, and you'll see the live page right there. Uh, they have Super Chat both on Odyssey and Rumble, uh, so I'll keep an eye on those as well uh, throughout the show. All right, plenty to go through. Apparently, there was some, like, a global initiative, <laughs> Clinton global initiative uh, in uh, New York City. Some of the uh, elites were there, uh, the establishment, and we're going to look at a couple of clips from there. And then Biden had a speech at the United Nations and that kind of comes in the wake of uh, Putin actually going out and doing kind of a, you can't really call it a draft, not even a partial draft. I guess they call it mobilization when they actually ask the reserves in the army to be called in. And I guess that's coming up here now because there's going to be a renewed, I assume, offensive uh, in Ukraine. So we'll just look at uh, Putin's uh, statement on, on this a little bit later. Uh, and of course, it's always, um, <laughs> excuse me, <coughs> it's always hard to uh, look at mainstream uh, Western coverage and think you're going to get the whole story there. Uh, but uh, we'll look at what they're saying in a way and see see how it parses and, and how we can slice that up a little bit for you guys there. But anyway, uh, plenty to go into. I also wanted to show a little bit of an ad first that uh, that I missed. It's from, a, I guess it came out a week ago, maybe even more. Apparently now, you, you know, remember we covered this stuff now about like the myocarditis that's coming in the wake of the mRNA shot rollout, the magical uh, juice, uh, the super, the the safe and effective stuff that they sold to um, to every one of us and our kids as well. And, you know, they've had this kind of odd advertisement now for like heart issues. If you're young, you've pl- we've played clips where like a 
teenage girl is running on the f- football field, soccer, I guess, for, for those in the U.S., uh, but football for, for us Europeans, uh, football field, and all of a sudden, like, t- you know, oh, like, heart attack. Oh, it's more common than you know. You know, the buses now are featuring, featuring like, you know, well, heart attack can, can happen to anybody. You know, the, changing your bed sheets, well, heart attack. You know, a new chemical in the atmosphere, well, that could lead to heart attack, you know. So now they're, like, playing catch-up with the uh, the excess deaths and things like that. There was a piece in The Guardian not too long ago, I think a few days ago. How, what's explaining the excess deaths this year? Crazy stuff like that. And of course, those who have been keeping an eye on this can uh, absolutely tell you this is no... Now they're playing this... It's a mystery. No one knows what in the world could this be. Well, it's got to be global warming. Uh, anyway, here's another ad that they pushed... Uh, on uh, kids with heart issues. Look at this. I've been into fashion since I can remember. But one day, I had a stomachache so bad, I didn't want to do anything. The team at New York Presbyterian said it was actually my heart. It was severely swollen. Something called myocarditis. But doctors gave me medicines and used machines to control my heartbeat. They saved me. So now I can become the next great fashion designer. All right, I guess they're healing the little girl from myocarditis then, miraculously, uh, because, of course, this has been such a common issue before. Uh, lots of myocarditis among children. Now, how many years is going to be slashed of this girl's life because of these heart issues? No one knows. We don't know at this point. That's what's so fun about this. It's a live, open-air experiment. It's like we're the Petri dish now. Welcome aboard, everybody. Uh, crazy shit. But, yeah, that's from the New York Presbyterian uh, Hospital uh, holy shit! Someone's gonna need to be. Uh, someone's gonna go to jail here. I hope that's the uh, that's the other thing. So we're also keeping a um, curious, uh, you know, and a very um, intent uh, intense eye on what's going on with the formation of the government in Sweden, because of course, uh, Sweden Democrats did very well, and um, whether you like them or not, as a nationalist, uh, Sweden Democrats still is a sign of kind of an invigorated energy. Um, in the country overall, it, it's sending positive, uh, you know, vibes all over. Even among those who knows that the Sweden Democrats aren't nearly, you know, hard hard enough as they as they have to be because it's extreme conditions, of course, that the uh, all the politicians have created and the other and the establishment, the elite, the media, etc., etc. That's created uh, in Sweden. But uh, anyway, I saw this. This is I, I couldn't translate this. I get that the Google Translate headline here, but uh, from a. Uh, <clears throat> Uh, paper uh, down in the su- southern region of Sweden, the EU Commission is going to demand that Sweden's new government abolishes any um, any uh, national toll um, controls or, or, or boundary controls going into the country, right? Uh, which is like, wait a minute. Did they, I mean, I know there's been like hardly any... Um, border to speak of before. Border control is the, the, the better term, I guess. Border Do away with all border controls is is now a demand, allegedly, by the EU Commission. And of course, the Commission, of course, is not even elected. It's selected. Big difference. They hold all the power, of course. Uh, they say here, in the coming uh, shift of power in Stockholm, when they get a new uh, interior minister, they're going to get a phone call from Brussels. The new government is is then going to be, um, uh, you know, kind of uh, posed in, in in front of a new demand from the EU Commission 
to do away as soon as possible with any border control against Denmark, right? That you have the 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 Oresundsbrun, Oresund Bridge, one of the what was the longest one I think for a long time in Europe, and then uh, Russia after the uh, they took over Crimea, they built one of the longest ones, the Kerch. What is it called again? The Kerch something bridge? I forget what it's called. And it was like two times as long, I think. But anyway, uh, and also towards other EU countries, which of course is not Norway, but it would be Finland up in the north. Then, of course, there isn't any other uh, border. Correct me if I'm wrong, but I, maybe they are considering the Baltic Ocean part of that. So it's any EU, whether it's Poland or Germany or something, I'm not sure. Uh, but anyway, we're keeping an eye on that to see what happens. But it's going to be an interesting... Uh, Forma- it's going to be interesting to see when the formation of the government happens, and apparently the, you know, the big bad guy right now in Sweden, uh, Jimmy Åkesson, the head of the Sweden Democrats, is going to be, uh, at least he has expre- expressed interest in being part of the government in some way. As I said before, I don't know why he is not actually slated to be the prime minister, uh, because they, of course, got more votes than the moderate party did, and now the moderate party, that, that, you know, that gay guy who's, who's heading up that party is going to be heading, uh, heading up the uh, prime minister post uh, in Sweden, but why? I don't know. I have still haven't gotten a good answer for that. All right. So let's talk about. I want to do a little bit of an update on the situation with Martha's Vineyard before we get to. Uh, well, we have a little bit here on Biden and his uh, speech at the UN. Uh, some other stories before that too. We got to get to the Clinton Global Initiative and things like that too. There's a couple, a couple of headlines here. There's just some good stuff we pulled out of for today. Um, the migrants flown to Martha's Vineyard have filed a federal lawsuit against Florida's Governor Ron DeSantis, alleging a premeditated, fraudulent, and illegal scheme after he chartered planes to move them. So of course. This happens, I mean, every other day. There's like groups and NGOs that are moving, trafficking migrants, right? To replace us in Western countries and to prioritize them as opposed to us in our interests, right? But now, of course, because he turned it into a little bit of a stunt and he was, I get it, I'll give him that. It's like short term, you could argue long term, you know, okay, now you're bringing people into the interior. But short term, just to bring attention on it, it's 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 fairly well played. I do I do approve. I think, I think it's good, right? And, you know, all of... Martha's Vineyard came together and saw a bunch of, you know, liberals up there and stuff like that. And they're still having this, like the official view, if you listen listen to media and and other people that are like, you know, uh, uh, covering essentially for what happened there, is saying that, well, the community came together and they provided them with these markets with health care and a a bed to stay and, and hot meals and everything was great. And then, of course, we deported them out of our neighborhood, out of our little township there, our island, over to Cape Cod. You know, a conservative uh, military, uh, military base at Cape Cod. <laughs> and there's like, mission, yeah, there we go, mission success. We did it. No problem. <laughs> it's like, okay, well, that's not, first of all, that's not how you do it. And now they think, well, see, we have no problem handling this like any border town. Anybody can do this. There's no problem. How do you think these people would feel? These insane people up there would feel if like just busload after busload after busload or plane after plane after uh, kept coming like over decades. They I mean, they already shat their pants. But I mean, do you can you imagine how much they would complain and whine and big and immediately you would see like something actually being done about this in the same way that they actually managed to relocate these migrants within 24 hours. No problem. But of course, to so to stop that 
continuation of that flow, which I think they have been talking about. And Abbott in Texas, a DeSantis in Florida, have raised this again. Of like, let's 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 continue this pressure and see what happens. So in order to prevent that, they become litigious, of course, immediately out the gates, right? And of course, now it's a group that immediately reached out to the migrants. Lee, you need you need to you can have money. How do you want some money? We'll sue. Uh, DeSantis will sue Florida, will sue everyone who was involved in this. Lawyers representing migrants dumped on Martha's Vineyard want Florida Governor Ron DeSantis criminally investigated <laughs> over the stunts is another uh, piece they had to. Was this the clip in this one? No, I think that was the Fox News story here. Uh, but just know that that's what they're doing. And apparently it was one of the uh, one of the let me pause that in case one of the sheriffs right uh, in Texas What's his name again? I forget his name is uh, what, is, what it was again. Texas Sheriff is investigating DeSantis. Says Americans should embrace migrant surge, give them jobs. Well, why didn't they do that then in Martha's Vineyard? Hey, eh? the Bexar County Sheriff opened an investigation into migrant flights to Martha's Vineyard, organized by DeSantis. This is what I think they have a little segment with that sheriff in the beginning. Let's see. Ah. This Fox player. Love this. Love that player. Launching a criminal investigation into Florida Governor Ron DeSantis's migrant flight operation to Martha's Vineyard. Opening up a case uh, with an investigation with regard to the suspected uh, activities involving the 48 migrants from Venezuela. As we understand it, 48 migrants were uh, lured. I will use the word lured uh, under false pretenses. It all comes as New York City. <clears throat> but you see, when uh, when when Israel or equivalent groups, uh, Hyas or something, does this to other migrants to bring him into the country, then it's fine. Then it's not a problem. It's not, it's only when it ends up not being favorable to most of those who represent the ideology of those who are doing this to us. Then then, then that is crim- we need to criminally prosecute these people. Remember something similar kind of happened in Italy when uh, Salvini did not let migrants enter into a port then he was charged with like human trafficking and he was facing like decades in prison i think he got out of that mostly that's unless that's still a legal process that's running that's how insane this is city mayor eric adams is considering taking legal action of his own against texas for its buses of migrants to the big apple alex swire is an attorney and legal affairs reporter for the washington times she joins oh let's skip this one she's annoying but i do want to play one clip here i think desantis talks about this here but purely purely as a stunt short term why can't i have the player running or pausing it and then looking at it but anyway um Short term, I think this is this is all right. Um, just to kind of create a shit show a little bit, I, th- I think it's de- it's it's okay. Uh, Long term, of course, it's not a strategy, but um, to kind of use their weapon a little bit against them, pushing back in this way, it's I, I think that's I think that's pretty good to be honest. Let's go forward to what he said here. They all signed consent forms to go. Okay, yeah, he's commenting on what they are uh, basically. How the process went down in terms of approaching them, I guess. And then the vendor. Here we go. More into that. Take a listen. They all signed consent forms to go, and then the vendor that that is doing this for Florida provided them with a packet that had a map of Martha's Vineyard. It had the numbers for different services on Martha's Vineyard, and then it had numbers for the overall agencies in Massachusetts that handle things involving immigration and refugees. So it was clearly voluntary, and all the other nonsense you're hearing um, is just not true. 
I agree. With All right, that's the comment we need from there. Uh, of course, I mean, of course, that's true. And then, of course, people did, you know, immediately they did an Airbnb search in the area. They looked at uh, uh, houses, housing overall. What uh, are there houses available for purchase, rentals, etc. And of course, it was just an endless supply of plenty of housing in the in the in the neighborhoods there. And of course, they could have gone together and purchased something. I mean, this is very wealthy people, right? It's very swanky area. Um, and of course, none of that happened. And they they are doing this as this was a success story. We came to together. We fixed all of this for them, and we did a, a good, you know, great job, everybody. We did it. Ha you know, dust off your hands, and, and now we can go back to business as usual. See? No problem. We're, we, we can do exactly what a border town does. And as I said, again, I'll repeat that. Imagine day after day after day after month after year after decades of <laughs> just, like, endless migrant flows like some of these southern border towns actually get to uh, experience. What do you think would happen? I'm not saying they would stop immigration over. I, I don't think they would, to be honest. But but it's this like, if they cannot funnel these people into conservative areas or to like you know blend blend out the votes in in whatever area that they need to at the time short term, you know to to be able to gain the political control and leverage that they need to have in order to continue to replace us in these areas, uh, they would shit their pants and it would be a, it would be a um, a shit show. Uh, and you'd never hear the end of it. Now it's like, no, no problem. So overall, I think I give uh, dissent as a, I don't know, I'll get a B, a B plus <laughs> for, for that. It was it was all right. Long term, of course, that's uh, that's definitely not uh, the way to go. But what are you going to do? Um, so speaking of uh, the accusations here that's flying, right? DeSantis is a racist. Uh, we actually got a um, we got a real boomer comment here from. Uh, uh, Nikki Haley. I think I should just play it, right? This is the uh, this is the, the the conservatives. This is how we win, according to these GOP conservatives, such as Nikki Haley, right? Use the the use the weaponization of things such as racist, and then t twist it and turn it against you know the liberals. L listen to uh, and and I could recognize there's kind of a little bit of that happening with the DeSantis um, you know stunt as well. Uh, oh, see, though, you don't want, they're the real racists. I, I don't care about that, obviously, but, like, but it's good to just to get that, like, visual confirmation that, like, these people would never um, tolerate what they are asking everyone else to tolerate. Uh, but anyway, uh, if you didn't know it, Dems are the real racists. Listen to this. It's Democrats that are racist. These liberal extremists are the ones that are racist. They're the ones that won't that think minorities are incapable of going to the DMV to get an ID mm. to vote. They're the ones that are racist that say minority parents are incapable of finding the school for their children. Let's let um, independents, conservative Democrats realize that, no, it's not Republicans that are racist or sexist. It's liberal Democrats that have done this for a long time. And I hope that that really goes to the heart of what happens in the House, Senate and governor's races come November. Oh. Well, thank you, Nikki Haley. Huh? This is kind of a is that like the GOP's Kamala Harris? That's kind of what that's kind of what she feels like a little bit, isn't it? What do you think, Trump? Uh, Trump Haley, twenty twenty four. You're the real racists. Oh my God, it's so pathetic. Anyway, I had to play that to you. The meme comes true, boys and girls. It does actually happen. Um, all right, a little bit more here. Biden. We're going to talk. So we have a little some Biden clips here later too. He was at the uh, United Nations General Assembly. 
Unga, whatever the hell you pronounce that. And um, he also made some other comments here recently. We have some clips here. Um, now, this was, I think this was actually last week. Yes, 16th. So this is a couple of days old now, but this could be good for you to know. Uh, Biden asks Congress to end social media immunity at White House summit on hate-fueled violence. There we go. Multiple initiatives to combat, quote, hate-fueled violence, racism, and extremism announced at summit. At a summit at the White House on Thursday. This is going to be last Thursday then. We missed that. To address hate-fueled violence, President Joe Biden denounced white supremacists. That's pretty, uh, how edgy. That's uh, that's definitely new and fresh. Uh, I haven't heard that. I haven't heard that one before. And urged lawmakers in Congress to end special immunity for social media companies. Listen to this, how they're spinning this stuff. This is kind of interesting. Biden also called on America, Americans at large, to speak out against racism. Well, Nikki Haley just did that. Are you happy, Biden? And extremism at the event dubbed the, the United We Stand Summit which was attended by bipartisan local leaders, experts, and survivors of hate-based violent attacks. Now, I saw a headline quickly from Rebel News. Uh, they were apparently complaining that Orthodox Jews were not let in at this, or they like they they. I'm not sure how they team that, but like they wouldn't they wouldn't let us be part of it or something. Of course, they had the Reformed, uh, you know, Judaism that branch, but apparently that was a big was a big problem for them. Uh, Biden also called on Americans at large to speak. Uh, did they have any representatives of those who experienced um, um, violence as, as white people? You know, black on white violence, or let me see, like uh, Arab Middle Middle Eastern overrepresentation when it comes to rape of white women, things like that. Can we get no? Okay. Biden also calls on Americans. Yeah, that said that uh, the event sought to quote counter the destructive efforts of hate-fueled violence on our democracy and public safety, mobilizing diverse sectors of society and communities across the country to these dangers, and put forward a shared, inclusive, bipartisan vision for a more united America. The Biden administration said on the summit's event website, of course. Biden is really known as the uh, the great unifier. That's if he's done one thing, he's definitely managed to unite the country. All forms of hate fueled by violence have no place in America, the president said at Thursday's summit, recalling various attacks. And of course, then they just blabber up the same thing. It's Charlottesville, or it's Orlando, or it's uh, Buffalo, New York, what, you know, whatever. But of course, it's not Waukesha, right? It's not Daryl Brooks, you know, Jr. Uh, it's never any of these cases where we have like explicit like open hatred by the perpetrator of white people and then they go act you know act out and actually murder a bunch of people. Uh, that's not part of the equation. You see, the problem here is is white people and white people especially fighting back. You know, so so liberals for now get a pass. Eventually, no, but but right now they get a pass because they're like useful idiots to the system. So the way you do this is you call them all white supremacists and racists, and then you basically say you should have no rights to speak anywhere. And everything you say will be turning will turn into violence eventually. So let's just uh, shut you up essentially. And that's of course what the, the the kicker here is: is to ask social media companies not only to do more, but that they should be held legally responsible if something happens. Now, of course, they try to pin this on something like Gab. You know, they had a what was it named the the Bowers guy, right? He shot up a, a, a synagogue. Uh, was that Pittsburgh? What was that again? 
Now, and then they try to pin the whole thing on Gab, which they kind of succeeded in a way of doing as well. And it's like, oh, they didn't stop this. They hate hatred flourished there, right? But just uh, was just like just last week, there was like a you know bunch of um, uh, blacks who were going around like targeting white people openly. It was it was uh, live streamed on Facebook and Instagram. But you see, in those cases also, there's no wide you know condemnation of the platforms and saying these are obviously your pro- your your problems. But that's one thing they really want to do. It's to try to hold the social media companies legally responsible in essentially in order to get them to just ban everything, right? That they th- that, that they think that potentially somebody can, could sue them over. White supremacists will not have the last word, Biden said, without mentioning any other group that have incited violence and hate in the United States in recent years. Yeah, nothing about BLM, nothing about the 2020 shit show and, you know, in the wake of Floyd and all that stuff. Biden briefly mentioned the events of January 6th when the U.S. Capitol was breached, saying that the event didn't reflect who we are as a nation. He contended that the U.S. has long had a thorough... Um, or through, I guess it is, a through line of hate against minority groups. And the politics and the media have given it too much oxygen in recent years. (laughs) Yeah, that's that's what they're known for. The Democrat said he wants Congress to hold social media companies accountable for spreading hate. That's that's gold, isn't it gold? The remark received a standing ovation from attendees. I'm calling on Congress to get rid of special immunity for social media companies and impose much stronger transparency requirements on all of them, Biden said, alluding to Section 230. Publishers can be held liable for any content they post while social media platforms are protected by Section 230 of the uh, Communications Decency Act, a federal law, blah, blah, blah. We know what that's about. We talked about that many times. The Biden administration has repeatedly called for revoking Section 230 and has also supported ramping up antitrust and transparency enforcement enforcements on technology companies, some of which currently allows users to post anonymously. So that's a big problem. Basically doing away with the anonymity online and then basically censor everybody that uh, they disagree with and anything that, um, you know, uh, they don't like, essentially. That's it. So that's that's unifying the country, right? Uh, anyway, I don't think I have to read more of that. You get the idea of what they're pushing here. Let me see here. Uh, oh, Garland, though. Actually, that could be important to read here, too. Uh, the Biden admin on Thursday announced what appears to be a plethora of initiatives from the public and private sectors to address hate-motivated violence. This includes a $1 billion investment to be pushed by a group of philanthropists called New Pluralists. Oh, that's, uh, that sounds great. That's totally not uh, Orwellian or anything like that. To have... Funders support a 10-year effort to build a culture of respect, belonging, and collaboration in communities and organizations across America. You know what that means. It basically means push out white people standing up for their own interests in any capacity, wherever they may be. And, here's more, quote, stand behind the essential work of courageous uniters, healers, and brigaders. Attorney General Merrick Garland announced at the summit that all 94 U.S. attorneys' offices would work on a, quote, united uh, on, yeah, united against hate initiative over 2023. Earlier this year, U.S. Attorney Office for Massachusetts, New Jersey, and Eastern District of Washington completed United Against Hate pilot programs, he said. I've actually not heard of that. 
I'm sure it's going to be a very, no matter what it is, I'm sure it's going to be very beneficial to their uh, political ideology. And today I'm pleased to announce that this initiative will expand to 16 more U.S. Attorney's offices and will launch in all 94 U.S. Attorney's offices within the next year. All right, bad stuff. So that's something to look out for. Then they go after the tech companies, of course, violent extremism online. We got to censor everybody on YouTube, Twitch, Meta, Facebook, all that stuff that we don't agree with. Essentially. Okay, good stuff. Just as usual, then, in other words, no, uh, no difference here. Um, oh, and this happens too. <clears throat> now, here's another one from today. Global Fund's seventh replenishment conference. Uh, Biden was there speaking today and appears lost on stage after he given the uh, remarks there. Mr. President, thank you. At the end of such a momentous oh. event, Ouch. the word thank you seems kind of inadequate. But for all the millions whose lives will be saved, for the communities where life will be transformed, thank <laughs> he you. Just walks thank you no, he's, he's still there. For your outstanding. All right, good stuff. Just put something with global in it, and then you can wheel out these old dead corpses, basically. Global funds seventh replant. I don't even, I have no idea what that is. But anyway, some other global homo thing happened today, I, I guess. Like we not have enough of them. All right. So check this out here. This is kind of interesting, too. A uh, <clears throat> Speaking of, uh, you know, all the anti-white hatred out there, there's been this... Uh, reinvigorated debate now around uh, Britain, right? The UK has to pay reparations. And of course, all of this came in the wake of the death of the Queen and now King Charles III taking over the at the helm, at least symbolically. And um, so after Le Mans here had been pushing this once again with a guest, I guess, who is British, I'm not sure who the guest is here, uh, kind of a little bit of a surprising uh, answer came up. Uh, which obviously I think wasn't really intended as he immediately pivots uh, to another subject. Uh, check this out here. I mean, you of course could say a lot more than what this guest is saying, but even even that small reflection um, of what she'll mention here, take note of that, uh, was enough to like, all right, interesting. Let's call off that interview. Check this out. Well, this is coming when, you know, there's all of this wealth and you hear about it comes as England is facing rising costs of living, a living crisis, austerity budget cuts and so on. And then you have those who are asking uh, for reparations for colonialism. And they're wondering, you know, one hundred billion dollars, twenty four billion dollars here and there, five hundred million there. Some people want to be paid back and uh, and members of the public are wondering, why are we suffering when you are? You know, you have all of this vast wealth. Those are legitimate concerns. Well, I think you're right about reparations in terms of if people want it, though, what they need to do is you always need to go back to the beginning of a supply chain. Where was the beginning of the supply chain? That was in Africa. And when across the entire world, when slavery was taking place, which was the first nation in the world that abolished uh, slavery? The first nation in the world to abolish it. It was started by William Wilberforce, was the British. In, In Great Britain, they abolished slavery. 2,000 naval men died on the high seas trying to stop slavery. Why? Because the African kings were rounding up their own people. They had them on cages waiting in the beaches. No one was running into Africa to get them. And I think you're totally right. If reparations need to be paid, we need to go right back to the beginning of that supply chain and say, who was rounding up their own people and having them handcuffed in cages? Absolutely. That's where 
they should start. And maybe, I don't know, the descendants of those families where they died at the, in the high seas trying to stop the slavery, that those families should receive something too, I think, at the same time. It's an interesting discussion, Hillary. Thank you very much. I appreciate it. We'll continue to, to discuss in the future. Yeah, that's right. Uh, continue, and, then, and then, of course, on to the next topic. So remember the impact of the supply, the supply chain crisis on the economy during... Yeah, do you well, had, uh, <clears throat> what was a shortage of dildos, Don? What, what, what happened? Tell us. Uh, enlighten us. What happened during the supply chain issue? Uh, okay, so not a bad answer. Uh, I think that's... I think that's a, that's a good place to begin because, of course, there's people like us have said this for for a long time. It's like, well, you couldn't have you you didn't actually have slavery if it wasn't for the participation of you had. I mean, I think it's a pretty kind of a logical chain here. You had Arabs part of partially being part of like going into the interior of capturing other uh, slaves, but not not as far. Ultimately, it was like. Other African tribes, right, that got really wealthy from selling their own. And in, in some regards, they sold them to Arabs, but in other, many other regards, they sold them to uh, Jews, right? Those who were controlling uh, the slave trade uh, at the time. You know, because there's, there's headlines like this. I think we've shown some of this before, right? It's just one. There, there's many of these. Maybe that's why the comment she made is kind of like, is it, is it an anti-Semitic dog whistle? Is that what we're saying? Who was, who was part of the supply chain here? How did that happen? How did it begin, right? And I've always said that too. Like, what you, you have to look at who sold them, right? That's, that's who made money on it. Those who sold them made money on it. Those who bought them paid years worth of salary at those numbers at that at that level to get that's why it wasn't free labor they they bought these people to get them to work but they bought that the 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 cost was the equivalent of a years and years worth of salaries right and look at it now of course totally worth it those 2000 sailors losing their lives and because totally we be we be we uh, it's not that slavery is ever brought up against us as a weapon or anything like that right uh, but here's one, right? Uh, Aaron Lopez, the merchant prince of Newport. Here's just uh, one, for example, right? Um, and we've shown some of the other the, the schematics of those who own the slave ships and stuff. There's been plenty of books trying to debunk this because it was like surfaced by people like uh, um, Nation of Islam. What's his name again? Farrakhan, right? He brought he, he wrote some books on this. Of our Jews were complicit in the slave trade and they made the most money on it. They owned the ships and things like that, right? Aaron Lopez flees the Spanish Inquisition and arrives in Newport in 1752, a religious refugee. He quickly becomes a successful entrepreneur and a pillar of the Jewish community. At the same time, he's actively funding slaving voyages. <laughs> so that's not that's not unheard of. Uh, but again, we've had other situations where African chiefs now goes out and apologizes for the slave trade. We cannot continue to blame the white men as Africans, particularly uh, the traditional rulers, are not blameless. Yeah, how about that? And we showed the other um, screenshot the other day. Do you guys see this one? Um, text is a bit small here. This woman right here is the first Nigerian woman to buy a car. Her name is Elfonia Tribunu. She was a very rich slave trader uh, in convinced in uh, convincence, I think it is. With the Portuguese, she exported her own people in ships to work in sugarcane farms in faraway Brazil, Caribbean, and the gold mines of the United States. Yet the queen is to blame Abi. The slavery 
We even cry about, was it not our own ancestors, kings and village chiefs that captured their own people for the whites to export? And of course, then it wasn't also that. It was, <laughs> it was Arabs and Jews too, that exported them, handled handle the actual uh, infrastructure of this to a large extent. In exchange for what? Mirror, porcelain, spirits, Dane, guns, etc. How can a same human prefer worthless items to his own brothers and sisters, his own kinsmen? These are the kinds of ancestors we pour libation to. Yet we blame the Europeans only when our ancestors were actively complicit. That's from a uh, northern newspaper, the source is called. I think that is, is it? I think it's a Nigerian uh, source. Uh, so anyway, you, you've seen that before. So, so, but th so that's not good enough. This is only this is basically what they want. They want white people not only to bow down and feel guilt and feel sorry. They want them to 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 fork out tons and tons of money uh, in the wake of that. O only then will it be will it be good enough, right? We need to put white people in yoke and chain. That's it says here from the. Uh, um, is it the the gleaner? Is that what it is? A cleaner? Anyway, <laughs> from uh, one of the islands, I guess, in the uh, Caribbean. Source there, uh, and of course the slave trade. Right, we had tons of Europeans being 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 slaves as well. White European slavery, sla slaves of Islam. Right, uh, Christian slaves, Muslim masters. We've shown some of these headlines before, or book covers rather. They were white and they were slaves. Right, but they try to ignore this conveniently. When Europeans were sl uh, slaves, research suggests white slavery was much more common than previously believed. White gold, 1.25 million European slaves erased from memory. Uh, so I'm glad she brought that up. I'm glad she brought that up. It's it's at least, it's it's a beginning. And of course, again, what happens on CNN, as soon as there's something, it's a pivot and it's uh, all hell breaks loose. And speaking of that, speaking of white guilt and stuff, check this out. I'm not going to be too long-winded about this, but... Uh, Sean King, apparently, even his uh, tweet, <laughs> Talcum X, even his uh, tweet, tweets are now uh, currently protected uh, because he got some uh, pushback. A little, a little shit came uh, flinging his way. This is kind of perfect, though, right? Because like you can kind of have this discourse where, like, well, see, Sean King is a grifter. He's actually white. And so it's just another white guy profiting from this. And instead of it going to, you know, black, actual black people, it's another white guy getting millions. No, look, I don't like the guy. I'm not saying that, obviously. Uh, but I, I can see it kind of serves its purpose a little bit as well. That is like, as soon as there are groups out there, and anyway, the same happened with the BLM, to be honest. Right, you see how much money they bought, like several houses and stuff. There was another news piece just a few weeks ago of like all the money that was just swindled and pissed away after the George Floyd riots and stuff like that. But anyway, stick him to Sean King. So, so it happens all the time. That's what I'm saying, right? But it also then it also comes down to this. Right? So, no matter how many you know millions are donated by white people, it's never going to be good enough, right? Although the fact that we were enslaved too, we were no one's going to give us reparations, right? We're going to go to the Ottoman Empire, ask money from them, right? Um, so anyway, inside Sean King's shadowy 6.7 million nonprofit. Uh, Daily Beast, I'm not sure why the Daily Beast does this, but I guess it's to uh, save face and occasionally does uh, some kind of journalistic work to be able to, I don't know, maintain credit. I don't know. It's it's very fascinating. But anyway, Sean King's <coughs> grassroots law project amassed and spent millions after George Floyd's murder. You mean after George Floyd died? Including six-figure payouts to himself and allied consultants. 
I remember there was a headline not too long ago about how he'd spent $40,000 on some dog, which is like, what the what in the hell kind of breed is this? Sean King's nonprofit amassed millions of dollars in donations in the months following the 2020 uh, very sad passing of George Floyd while being high on fentanyl. While its signature project to review and redress prosecutorial injustices in three major U.S. cities floundered, and while King himself and his associates raked in hundreds of thousands of dollars in compensation. Representatives of the Grassroots Law Project produced a 2020 financial report for the King-led outfit in response to questions from the Daily Beast. These materials have yet to appear in any public records database, and the Internal Revenue Service did not respond to queries about why the King nonprofit did not show up in its online files. But the Grassroots Law Project's lawyers noted the agency had suffered internal delays related to the COVID-19 pandemic. So that's probably, that's just all that's happening here, right? The tax documents reveal that during the first year of its existence, a period that coincided with the largest racial justice protest in the nation's history, the organization collected more than $6.67 million. Further, the Federal Election uh, Commission rec records, um, rec uh, records, I should say, also showed that two political action committees tied to the controversial activist. Oh, that's what he is now. He's a controversial activist. All right, whatever have poured close to half a million dollars into the organization. The singlest, the single largest expenditure by Grassroots Law Project made in its first year was $2,654,434, which the disclosures only states went, quote, to bridge the gap between grassroots organizations, organizing rather, and legal expertise to reform the American justice system. <laughs> the organization's representatives acknowledged to the Daily Beast uh, that this referred, at least in part, to the group's flagship program following its launch. Truth, Justice and Reconciliation Commission, ostensibly modeled of, on those insti um, can't read today, folks, that's how it goes sometimes, those instituted after the fall of apartheid in South Africa that the, uh, that the Grassroots Law Project would go on to help set up in the district attorney's offices of San Francisco, Philadelphia and Boston. These restorative boards received considerable publicity and fanfare along with their own website, fundraising page, and multiple social media accounts when the Grassroots Law Project and the local prosecutor announced them in early July 2020. Anyway, it goes on to the, uh, said This system is not broken. It's functioning exactly the way those designed and built it intended intended it to function. It was not built to give marginalized communities justice, King said in a joint press release with the Philadelphia District Attorney Larry Krasner. Are these like all, um, what, Soros DAs or something like that? Another San Francisco DA, Chezzy Boudin, and also the Boston DA, Rachel Rollins, uh, released that in a co-joint statement. It was built to oppress the minorities, then, I guess, or the marginalized communities. That's what it was built for, folks. It was built to oppress marginalized communities. And moving forward, we must build brand new pathways for truth, justice, and reconciliation. The oldest ones will never get us there. All right, so parallel society. Okay, well, you build your thing, and we'll uh, we'll keep uh, keep ours then. How about that? All right. Anyway, you get the point. This just goes on for a while here. Here, uh, here's the very, uh, the very black man here, uh, Sean King, next to uh, some others. Check that out, though. That's. Uh, 
That's pretty uh, pretty dicey there when it comes to the uh, racial composition. I don't know what what's the um, I guess one for one for black, two for um, two for white in chat. I don't know. And then you have uh, this guy, and then it's I'm not sure who that is, but um, it's very diverse uh, there on stage, <clears throat> at least one one of each. Then uh, all right. Anyway. It's the same thing every time with these. And, and, you know, some of the comments I saw too was like, you can't, you know, feel guilt white people like you. So some desperate white person thinks that they're going to be helping by, you know, donating to the cause. And of course they found his, it, what I'm saying is that it's this perfect, like endless hamster wheel of like you, the white people donate and give money and then ends up to a guy like this. And of course he, you know, runs away essentially with all the money, nothing happens. And um, then it's like, oh, well, see, that's not good enough. You can't just give money. You have to give money to these groups and these groups, and they have to do this and do that, all that stuff. But anyway, we'll see what happens. I'm sure I'm sure he's going to just return. Hasn't he done this a couple of times already? He just pops up again and just back and just, yeah, just add it. No problem. And speaking of George Floyd, by the way, check this out. This is uh, definitely insane shit here. <clears throat> a former Minneapolis police officer is sentenced to three years for aiding George Floyd's death. <sighs> was this a guy that wasn't like even there or he just, he showed up like 20 minutes later and just like stood there and protected the other police officer or something like that? Uh, a former Minneapolis police officer who pleaded guilty to a state charge of aiding and abetting second degree manslaughter, <laughs> the killing of George Floyd, just everything is just upside down. It's just um, killing of George Floyd was sentenced Wednesday to three years. Thomas Lane is already serving a two and a half year federal sentence for violating Floyd's civil rights. When it comes to the state's case, prosecutor and Lane's attorney had agreed to a recommended sentence of three years, which is below the sentencing guidelines. And prosecutors agree to allow him to serve that penalty at the same time as his federal sentence and in a federal prison. Total shit show. Judge Peter Cahill accepted the plea agreement, saying he would sent uh, would sentence Lane below. Shouldn't his name be capitalized? Anyway, it doesn't matter. Below the guidelines because he accepted responsibility. Usually they do that. They get like, oh, see, they admitted that they killed him. And so that, you know, then they get a guilty verdict. And then they can kind of run that as a as a narrative, essentially. Like, well, they agree. You know, they they agree. They admitted that they killed him. Uh, which, you know, we've been over now. Obviously didn't happen, right? He swallowed his old bag of, you know, whatever it was. Coke or fentanyl or what was it? Uh, something like that. I forget what it was. Maybe maybe a little bit of everything. And he uh, he died of an overdose on the ground. I remember he asked to be laid down. But anyway, that, that doesn't stop going after these guys. Ay, ay, ay. All right. It's just such a shit show with everything. It's incredible. All right, let me uh, let me t- let me do a couple of these too. This is a little bit kind of not part of the. Oh, do I have to do archive on this? Okay, let's see if we can find this here. Uh, everything is upside down, right? It's this constant thing with like Trump is a, is a Nazi, and it, and it creates this like kind of like cartoonish version of like not only the media but then like also the opposition, right? We have like. Liberal leftists in the media actually think Trump is some like neo-Nazi revival or something like that. And then the opposition, of course, 
have to do everything they can to kind of counter signal that, which which create this just comical clown show in a way, which is, I guess, why a you know uh, Nikki Haley is like Democrats are the real racist. But the Atlantic had a piece here: Trump endorsed QAnon because he's stuck. He's grasping at straws, not solidifying his political base. And it's like, okay, well, you know, like, all right, whatever, you know. But these, the, this narrative, like, just does not cease, doesn't end. And it's almost in a way, too, that the fanaticism and the kind of weird, like, you know, kind of cultish shit that you see is around Trump is partially enabled because people like this continue to write pieces like this and they continue to put that pressure on. In a weird way, if they kind of just would have backed off, I think some of the thing that a lot of the you know MAGA boomers are attracted to would kind of maybe lose its. I, I'm not sure; it could be wrong, right? But it could lose its kind of luster a little bit. So it's veneer. You know what I'm saying? It's attraction. I, I don't know. Maybe it wouldn't. I, I don't know at this point, right? But it, so they they were referencing a a Guardian piece. This author basically, oh, Trump is over, that's it, he's, you know, he's nothing, he's going to be defeated, he has nothing left, and so now he has to turn to QAnon and uh, kind of uh, dog whistle them. And it was a, check out this, um, this line here, this paragraph here. Uh, Nevertheless, early last week on a social media platform, Truth Social, Trump posted a picture of himself with a QAnon lapel pin and the slogan, the storm is coming. Words that describe the destruction of his enemies and perhaps even the live televising of their execution. It's like, okay, <laughs> I don't know. Maybe that's what it is, but all right, whatever. That's what's so funny about the Q thing that they can just like someone writes a Facebook post and then the media can run with it and say that's what Q believes, you know, kind of thing. And it's like, all right, whatever. Uh, again, I'm not following that very intricately and stuff like that. But it's funny how it's like it just feeds into itself and whatever, you know, wacky theory that they can find, they can just claim, oh, well, that's Trump's base right there. You know, kind of thing. it's funny. This past weekend at a rally in Ohio, Trump played music that mirrored, this is an interesting line here, that mirrored a QAnon anthem, apparently promoting the crowd to respond with a Nazi-like salute. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, all right, let's look. Can we can we look closer at this for a moment? So here's the Guardian piece that they link up right above here at right? the Q, QAnon anthem, and then it's like, and then you go to the 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 Guardian piece. Let me see if I can have. Can I get the whole one here? Yes. Okay. Good. Um, and they were also right about Trump embraces QAnon at a rally by playing music similar to its anthem. And I was like, wait a minute, didn't they get? There was that where we go one, we go all. I forget what uh, who made Ro- Richard or Rob Robert something. I forget what the author was or the um, composer, I guess, was. But he did actually add that into like an ad that came out like in just the, a day or two after the Mar- Mar-a-Lago raid happened. And I think we covered it at the time and said like, look, he's like signaling to QAnon. And I didn't see the mainstream media covering that. But now they're saying, well, they, now he played a music that is almost, almost like that. So it's like this, you know, two, you know, two degrees removed from a song that is associated with Q. This is how weird it is, right? But again, it's like to drive this narrative that is like, you know, and I'm not saying it's like not cultish because some of it is obviously right, but it's just like they they're trying to argue that there's some some you know neo Nazi revival thing, and just because they hold their hands up in the air, that means they're all obviously they're all making Roman salutes. Let's check out check out the video here, right? Trump supporters give 
give a one-fingered salute with index finger at Ohio rally. And that, and that again, in turn, then over on the Atlantic, turns into a uh, sentence where they say that the crowd respond with a Nazi-like salute. This is just such a, such, such a shit show. Let me see here. Let's play this video here. Check this out. There is no mountain we cannot climb. There is no summit we cannot reach. There is no challenge we cannot meet. There is no victory we cannot have. We will not bend. We will not break. We will not yield. We will never give in. We will never give up. We will never, ever, ever, ever back down. As long as we are confident and united, the tyrants we are fighting. Here, here it comes. I'm the panning over to the crowd here. Small chance of victory. Because we are Americans, and Americans kneel to God and to God alone. There we go. There, there, well, there it is, folks. There's the Nazi uh, salute right there. It's only just begun, and it is time to start talking about greatness for our country again. It's like... It's it's so it's so cartoonish, right? I mean, this has its problems, but for other reasons. Do, do you know what I mean? Like it becomes this weird clown show of like how the liberals versus the conservatives are like attacking each other and over and for what they are attacking each other. And as I said, I think it I think in a weird kind of way it it does serve in a way it does serve the liberals i think more to a certain extent because i think you get this kind of uh, cringe like counter signaling by the mega conservatives that like we have to prove to them it's the same thing with nikki haley right instead of saying um or not even saying but just arguing internally these accusations don't hold any sway so let's not address it the tactic by these mega people is to say let's Let's adopt and take in the power of like of of the racist accusation and admit that it's a very powerful weapon and admit that it does hold power, but we'll take it in and use it against you, you know, kind of thing. It's a, it's a continuous circle jerk. And then so then they're complaining on the music that we used here to where we go one, we go all title reflects the QAnon slogan. Adopted by members of the anti-Semitic group. Yeah, if, if Trump is known for one thing, it's for his uh, anti-Semitic, uh, you know, positions, right? That's <laughs> see how this works. It's like never gets out of that bubble. It just you know feeding in on itself, and it just like it just gets more and more ridiculous, right? And I mean, the, the stuff they have done right is, of course, like oh, good, they like they point out shit like Pizzagate, or Epstein, or something like that. And then instead of like addressing that, they just turn into well, that you know they say George Soros, uh, um, you know, had put district attorneys in place and that he holds power, which is obviously anti-Semitic. You know what I mean? And then Trump goes on like moves the embassy to Jerusalem and th you know things like that. It just never ends with these people. But it is funny how you like you're getting just <laughs> total it's just total chaos from both sides, and and it also it also leads. It's it's this is important more because it's it leads to not any real issues that actually are pressing to be addressed, and occasionally you know that happens right. But overall, 
it it doesn't happen because it become more about like a racist racism accusation charge when they're like obviously this should not be on, on the issue at all it's like if there's any racism here it's obviously directed against white people they're the one being shat on all the time right they're the ones who can't organize they can stand up for their own interest right <laughs> but no 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 that's you see that's not a problem um the problem is the problem is these anti-semites in trump's uh, you know regime here or those who are behind trump or whatever uh, you know, d despite the Kushners and despite uh, all the other people he surrounded himself with and the stance with, with AIPAC and all that stuff, right? Uh, he's like, he, I, he could be president of Israel because that's how much loved he is in Israel. But um, anti-Semitism. <clears throat> all right. So let me see here. Oh, and this too. Th th that's right. I, I forgot to show you this. There was, a, let me see, was this the Guardian piece? No, that's the Atlantic. I have to show that too. Check this out. They included a uh, what's his name again? Uh, what's the lunatic's name? I'll find it here. He tweeted out. Um, what's his name again? The crazy guy. Uh, let me see. Let me just search for Twitter. Oh, no, was that not it? Or oh, maybe it was in the uh, Guardian piece done. Here, Olbermann. There we go. Okay, there it is. Okay, it was in the Guardian piece. Political observers were quick to react, again, to the fact that they're holding up a, a, a finger. If you ever raise your arm, it can. It just means one thing, right? The liberal contractor Keith Olbermann posted a tweet with side-by-side -side photographs. This is, this, is what, this is what they think, right? This is what I. This is what happened the other day, folks. It was the the mega the mega QAnon rally. Of like you know, <clears throat> like pins with Israeli flags and American flags. That this is really what it was. <laughs> it's like this total clown show. Keith Olbermann tweeted tweeted that out, and the uh, the Guardian piece you know wrote wrote about that. Oh my God, I can't believe they're doing that. And and actually, I checked just some of the replies uh, to the tweet here, and and here's just one of them. You know, we can, sometimes we kind of make fun of this, right? All we, and I, this was serious, right? This is not, I checked this person's other tweets and stuff. This is not just like a, a troll. Always remember that the next concentration camp is just around the corner. <laughs> Eternal vigilance and never bowing to Trump. I'm sorry, I mean Hitler. I mean Trump. And his ilk is vital. There's always another Holocaust happening. <clears throat> and then the other side is like they're the real Nazis. It's just like <laughs> nothing ever gets done. It's it's hilarious. Uh, what a shit show. All right. Anyway, we're gonna move on. We're gonna talk about the Clinton, uh, the uh, the Clinton Global Initiative in a little bit here too. A uh, little bit of Russia first here though too. But uh, over an Odyssey Chimp Blaster three thousand. Um, all these viewers and no support. I'll start. Well, thank you, uh, Chimp Blaster. I appreciate that. That's kind of you. Um, Dino uh, Vlogovich, I think it is. Uh, sh shame on me, he says there, Chimp Blaster. Well, thank you. I appreciate that. That's kind of you. Um, all right. Let's do the Russia thing here real quick. <clears throat> yeah, it's hard when you uh, when you <laughs> when you change up the uh, the schedule all the time. But that's what it is sometimes. Um so, uh, I almost said Trump. <laughs> Putin uh, is issuing a partial mobilization 
Let's check out the uh, the video here first. Check this out here. Uh, subtitled. Check this out. I guess let's do this so we can see the text, otherwise we can't see it. Where are we here? There we go. Поддержать предложение Министерства обороны и Генерального штаба о проведении в Российской Федерации частичной мобилизации. Повторю, речь идет именно о частичной мобилизации. То есть призыву на военную службу будут подлежать только граждане, которые в настоящий момент состоят в запасе. И прежде всего те, кто проходил службу в рядах вооруженных сил, имеет определенные военно-учетные специальности и соответствующий опыт. Призванные на военную службу перед отправкой в части в обязательном порядке будут проходить дополнительную военную подготовку с учетом опыта специальной военной операции. Right, so he's saying here a partial mobilization by basically bringing in uh, already people in the reserves in the, in the Russian military. And uh, he, he had to repeat this twice, right? I repeat, we're talking of a partial mobilization only. Only people with the military reserve, uh, yeah, in the military reserve will be drafted. Uh, the priority will be on people who served in the armed forces, have military speciali specialization uh, and experience, um, which of course could mean that they are uh, obviously going to issue a new, you know, counteroffensive, maybe try to get, get back the, the ground they allegedly lost. Uh, in the wake of the Ukrainian offensive around the, uh, uh, was it the, uh, uh, not Kharkov, was it? Yeah, I think it was that, right? They, they, they gained like a, a pretty big area, allegedly again. I, I mean, can't even know this this point, but like a big corridor, you know, taking a big bite of that and they pulled back and they said, oh, this is just to, you know, uh, regroup essentially our military and stuff like that. Uh, but it shows that they're, <coughs> they're in the, uh, they're in the, uh, they're in the game here, right? And they're not going to back down. Um, Putin announces partial mobilization and threatens nuclear retaliation in escalation of Ukraine, Ukraine war. Russian president threatens the West with nuclear retaliation, saying we will use all the means at our disposal. I guess that's an interpretation then of, uh, of them. Um, I think that's the same clip right there. And then they pull out some other articles too. I'd rather leave than uh, fight. Russians react to Putin's draft. President's decision to mobilize citizens to bolster Ukraine invasion stirs feelings of fear and patriotism. Uh, and then they take up one example here of some guy, Alexander 33, uh, who found out about Vladimir Putin's decision. Apparently, they stopped um, travel, I guess, obviously, of men at the, in that age range. But again, this could also be the West exaggerating more if it's only people that are part of the military or have done, uh, you know, training with them or part of the reserves or something. It would technically just apply to them unless they're stopping it now for everybody because they know that eventually we'll also just bring in everybody and we won't just uh, stick to uh, military reserves and people like that. That, of course, that's a very, very uh, possible. But this kind of caused the uh, the whole speech that uh, Biden did at the UN. Um, was it today? Maybe it was yesterday. Anyway, we have some clips from that we're going to play. But it, ca it caused him to kind of like pivot towards that and say like, they, you know, on one hand, they're losing the war. But then like they're insane, Russia, they're going to bring out the nukes and stuff. And again, you can, you know, when it comes to the West reporting on this, you can't trust trust much of it. Uh, on the other hand, of course, it's clear also that they have their <laughs> Russia has their interest there. They're not just gonna gonna let this go. So before we, um, uh, I guess we can show. Let me show this here. We're gonna, I'm gonna show another funny clip coming out of the Russia here too. But this one uh, uh, from the New York Times, 
Putin mobilizes more troops and rails against the West. In a rare address to Russia, the pre Russian president made a veiled threat using nuclear weapons. Again, I mean, he didn't say that, but that's the interpretation by the West, right? Speaking at the United Nations, President Biden said this: the war was about extinguishing Ukraine's right to exist. And apparently there was about a, a thousand people arrested. Let me see if they have this in the timeline here. Um, I had to archive this to get to it because uh, everything on New York Times page is behind a paywall now. Uh, anyway, they had it here earlier up. This is like updated frequently, so I guess maybe it, maybe it didn't make it up at the top. But apparently the New York Times piece said there was about a thousand people that had, had been arrested in various protests around Russia and, and Russian cities and stuff like that. Um, so I guess there's some pushback against this mobilization, partial mobilization. Again, it's not a draft, um, but it's getting there i guess it's, it's it's heading in that direction will that happen i'm, I'm not sure right but there was another before we look at uh, biden's speech that that he did there was another funny um twitch streamer that and of course europe uh, the eu in particular not you know not europeans haven't made this decision it's the leadership right of like ending the the relationship the energy relationship essentially that uh, Europe has had with Russia and again developing the dependency on on Russia as well which you think is like maybe then your actions is not the best to to take and, and making these decisions of like you know pouring money and weapons into Ukraine when they're at war with Russia when you're dependent on their gas to heat your homes right in Germany of course is one of the worst um positions when it comes to this and that's almost like why i was like is this in, is this intentional or, or or what's happening here are they really this stupid or do they think that nothing's gonna I, look i don't know but apparently make a long story short here was some russian that had a twitch stream <laughs> where he's showing the current prices of gas in euros i believe and he's showing them in rubles or is it don't no this is euro okay euros per month and so he's like i i guess 24 7 streaming this on twitch and of course twitch ends up i don't think they banned him but they suspended the ability for this stream to be viewable in europe here's a short clip of what you could see on and i forgot to mention by the way he has the stove on all the time, right? A, a gas gas top uh, gas stove top on <laughs> during the whole stream. Here, here's a little clip from it. Сектор газа, шины, Тесла, Грэс, СК Сектор газа, здесь не дожить до сорока Сектор газа, скорее день противогаз Сектор газа, спасайтесь палисом от нас All right, there you go. <laughs> so that that was it, right? So what, what's the point of that? Like, you, you're telling me they're trying to cover up, like, they're trying to cover up that, like, gas costs more now and that they have it in russia I, I just it's so bizarre right i just don't see what the wouldn't it be better just to let it slide now it just got more attention maybe that is the point maybe it's like I, I don't know i just it's so bizarre the things that they then like 
So again, I don't think the channel was banned. Maybe that happened hindsight, but up until the, the latest thing I saw about it was that it was like they sus suspended it from being viewable in Europe, or so, it was something to that effect, right? It was like, okay, well, he's just showing the reality of the situation, like a bad decision making by our misleaders, right? No, can't have that. No, they can't. No, they can't find out really what the prices, how how easy it is to get gas now in Russia. Natural gas, I guess, but not, but, but, and how expensive it is getting in your, it's, it's so, it's so dumb and so gay. But again, that's the nature of it now, right? Um, let me see here. Chain Reaction says, uh, paywall bypass, there are others, 12th. 12FTIO. I haven't checked that out. Thank you for the link. I'll check that out later. Uh, over on Odyssey uh, Moodskerl. Did I pronounce it correctly? Gas money. There you go. Exactly. Gotta heat, gotta heat the home. Man, they're gonna build... Uh, thank you, uh, Moodskerl. Is that Moodskerl? I don't know. Maybe I'm butchering that. Um, <clears throat> they are building special heating facilities now in uh, in Germany. Last minutes, you can actually go and like, I guess, heat yourself if you're close to freezing to death. My kind of take was, will they do it so that uh, only like, I don't know, like migrants get access to it or, or they will fill up immediately with like, <laughs> I, I will see what happens. But I mean, it could be real. I, I don't mean to make light of the situation. The mismanagement is just so insane and so out of control uh, that I wouldn't be surprised if like these decisions is going to lead to like Europeans basically like freezing to death at this point which again which is what they want that's what i've said from almost from the start that this conflict have just pit, fit per like a perfect puzzle piece into the bigger uh, great research agenda 2030 game plan right space kang says we will not i guess this is to the um the, what, what trump said at the q and on uh, meeting there earlier uh we will not bend we will not break rock Rock a by baby. The bow will not break. Okay, folks. Rock a by baby, folks. Uh, thank you, Space Kang. Appreciate that. Okay. So here is actually we should let's do this one first. Five takeaways from Biden's speech to the world. From political here. Russia loomed large in the president's address, but there were other lines worth paying attention to. They had a little bit of a line, uh, kind of a supercut here. Let's check that out here first. Bar Biden targets Russia in the United Nations General Assembly speech. Uh, cut down to about 180 seconds. Let's check it out. Let us speak plainly. A permanent member of the United Nations Security Council invaded its neighbor, attempted to erase a sovereign state from the map. Russia has shamelessly violated the core tenets of the United Nations Charter. No more important than the clear prohibition against countries taking the territory of their neighbor by force. This world should see these... <clears throat> yeah, because um, he's uh, definitely not uh, speaking on behalf of a country that uh, have uh, ever done something like that. Outrageous acts for what they are. Putin claims he had to act because Russia was threatened. But no one threatened Russia. And no one other than Russia sought conflict. This war <laughs> is about extinguishing Ukraine's right to exist as a state, plain and simple. 
<clears throat> it's funny how they just can go up there and like lie their pants off. If this guy is even aware at this point, I, I, I guess he's not considering the the stage, um, the handling that he had on stage earlier. But then there's like blatant like, but wait a minute. And it's not this like, well, you was as invaded countries too, you know, kind of thing. But it's like <sighs> that they don't think that anybody will notice. And it's like, you know, it's like, I'm not, you know, for what Russia has done, but then, like, you've already had such much meddling in a country like Ukraine, right? By, like, CIA, the, the gay ops, the Orange Revolution, you have the bio... I mean, it's just endless stuff of shit that's happened in Ukraine where you can argue, like, already, like, their, their existing sovereignty at that point had already been violated. And this guy is, like, part of the... <laughs> part of a the gay ops specialist, or at least a spokesman for the gay ops specialist that have been doing this shit for, uh, for decades. But no, that's fine. Don't, uh, don't even notice that. Now, now it's just a clear invasion. Uh... And it's it's all M M Russia's fault. Uh, that that's the reason you're going to freeze now, um, Germany, right? It's Ukraine's Russia's right fault to exist as a people. Whoever you are, wherever you live, we 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 don't have any rights to exist as a people in the West. Fuck, you're part of the gang that's targeting us. Every policy that you're making, shit show. Whatever you believe, that should not that should make your blood run cold. Like you, the United States wants this war to end on just terms, on terms we all signed up for. We on terms that we all signed up for. Okay, who signed up for terms to to end uh, on on your terms or, or what? I mean, this is just so dumb, <clears throat> and it's so retarded. Anyway, let's keep listening. But you cannot seize a nation's territory by force. That. The only country yeah, you you did that standing in the way of that is Russia. We're also taking down the food crisis head on. Oh, good. With as many as 193 million people around the world experience acute, acute food insecurity. A jump of 40 million in a year. Today, I'm announcing another $2.9 billion in U.S. support for life-saving humanitarian and food security assistance for this year alone. Oh, good. Russia, just, just what's needed, more, uh, more money down the toilet. Russia, in the meantime, is pumping out lies, trying to pin the blame for the crisis, the food crisis, on the sanctions imposed by many in the world for the aggression against Ukraine. Well, that's part of the problem. So let me be perfectly clear about something. Yes, our, yes, let's, let's. Our sanctions explicitly allow explicitly allow russia the ability to export food and fertilizer no but, wh but why, why would they right <laughs> didn't the, you guys remember that was that uh it was a weekend warrior show but we covered how russia was retaliating and saying oh this is leading to uh it was basically this like counter signaling over africa all of a sudden and I was like, the Wests are fascists and, and racists. <laughs> so again, you almost that it's that QAnon liberal Democrat kind of thing. It's just like none of the real issues are being addressed. And it turned into like a who's the who's who's the real anti-fascists that are fighting the, the the Nazis. It's like the same thing happening, but on an international level. Um, which is just again, none of the issues are being really addressed that needs to be addressed here.
because we have a bunch of either really dumb people in charge and or people that are actually complicit. And, uh, and, and maybe it's just about running that as a show a little bit, a little bit of a theater kind of for the masses in a way. But then there's real people, of course, uh, behind the scenes that knows what uh, what the agenda is. And they also happen to know that the all the consequences, whether it's the coronavirus, uh, the lockdowns or whether it's uh, so-called climate change, uh, you know, policies or to prevent climate change. And we'll talk more about that in a moment because of this uh, Clinton Global Initiative. They talked all about that there. That's basically what it was about. It was like, you know, more give us more money. We're going to solve, we're going to green everything and we're going to we're going to prevent everyone from dying. Uh, if you give us if you give up control, stop eating meat and, and do what we tell you to do. Uh, we're going to bring in this new wonderful system of like ESGs, right? And BlackRock people like Larry Fink are there um, lecturing to us what we should do. Those people know what the plan is. And, and every one of those issues that have happened over the last like, you know, five years it's gone like overdrive over the last it's happened before then but like ever since the coronavirus really kicked in this it, that agenda has gone into overdrive and everything that's consequently has happened fits like a perfect puzzle piece into that bigger picture of shortages of restrictions less for us more for them right no fertilizer supply chain shortages right it's just like bringing us to a standstill. They're like deconstructing civilization, uh, bringing us down to like just <laughs> bare bones minimum. And at some point we might not even have that if it goes, you know, as if it goes it, it badly enough in terms of like the uh, the energy where we basically won't be able to heat our homes anymore. So anyway, we'll see where this goes. But anyway, so so the pivot here by this guy, it's just to, you know, pin it all on Russia and they hope that they will uh, whip up enough anger that I guess people will line up and go fight and die <clears throat> in, a, in a world war against Russia or something like that. It's Russia's war that is worsening food insecurity and only Russia can end it. Let me also urge every nation to recommit to strengthening the nuclear nonproliferation regime through diplomacy. No matter what else is happening in the world, the United States is ready to pursue critical arms control measures. A nuclear war can not be Oh, was that actually was that actually about Israel? Why are they showing Israel there when they're saying Are you telling me here did they cut that out? That's interesting. Why are they showing Israel right there? <laughs> because of course they're they're one of the only countries there is they I think they are the only country that does not have to line up to be part of the uh, basically the nuclear uh, weapons inspections program right and we don't even know how many nukes they have anyway did I miss that let's just take that again because the fact that they zoomed in on or showed Israel there it's that's that's interesting United States is ready to pursue critical arms control measures a nuclear war can not be won and must I think that's not at all really it could be of course but I think that's just like maybe we have a based camera operator or something or a producer <laughs> I don't never know. be fought alright there we go thank you political appreciate that alright so that's like a cut down version of that yeah it was, it was just speaking about China and all that kind of stuff um, North Korea blah 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 um, what's his name again? Blinken also talked about sending more like uh, ro advanced rocket system to Ukraine and shit like that. Again, it's like if you wanted this war to end, you wouldn't be supplying them with endless weapons, right? Listen to this. Just this morning, 
President Biden announced a significant new security assistance package to arm Ukraine with additional capabilities and advanced weaponry, precisely what they need to defend themselves against the ongoing Russian aggression. That includes more advanced rocket systems so that they can strike key targets on the battlefield in Ukraine from longer distances. This is a continuation of a strategy that began even before Russia's invasion. We've moved quickly to send Ukraine significant amounts of weapons and ammunition so that they can repel Russia's aggression and, in turn, can be in the strongest possible position at any negotiating table that may emerge. All right, you get the point. <clears throat> but yeah, so that, anyway, he's speaking at some NATO summit or some shit like that. Uh, anyway, so that's crazy, right? So yeah, we want to enter to, on our terms. And of course, here is more weapons. Here is more money, an endless supply of just millions, hundreds of millions or billions now. Uh, I forget what the total tally is. I, I, I should actually look that up, what the total tally is since the start of the war. Uh, but it's just astronomical sums as people... You know, and again, European countries have done the same. They're sending weapons, they're sending money and aid programs and stuff, and they're just like, ah, screw our, uh, screw our own European people. Let's send it all to Ukraine, and, and and we're like expected to just like be fine with this, I guess. Where our interests are not looked after whatsoever, but somehow we just like it's all about Ukraine now. And I, you know, I wish them well. It's not like oh, it's just uh, haha, you know, fuck them or whatever. But at some point, you're just like, if you're on the brink of like not being able to heat your homes or you're going to starve to death, you might want to rethink your priorities a little bit. You know what I mean? And like actually start looking after your own country. But anyway, the, these people want us dead, so I'm not surprised by that. Anyway, this is what uh, how Biden ended his uh, speech. Listen to this in, uh, in the uh, United Nations General Assembly. For humankind, thank you for tolerance for listening to me. I appreciate it very much. Thank you for the tolerance of listening to me. <laughs> That's a great liner. For humankind, thank you for tolerance for listening to me. I appreciate it very much. God bless you all. <laughs> all right, good stuff. Thank you for the tolerance for listening to me. <clears throat> yeah, buddy, that's what it, uh, that's what it's all about right there. Let me take a couple of these here. Over on Odyssey, we have um, uh, Vivek says, "Longtime watcher and shamefully first time donator." Well, thank you. I appreciate that. Here's a little something. Thanks for the content uh, you and Lana have been putting out. Well, thank you. Appreciate that. Appreciate your support. Very kind of you. And uh, Chimp Blaster 3000 says, Wood shippers should be parked outside every courthouse for the pedo convicts and um, lifers. Is that the, uh, the people, the uh, abortists, or what is that short for? Lifers? <clears throat> maybe that's a spit. Maybe you got uh, autocorrected or something. Thank you, uh, Chimp Blaster three thousand. Appreciate that. But the pedos, I I, uh, I understand, but lifers, okay, maybe just something I'm missing. All right, so let's talk a little bit about the global initiative uh, headed up by uh, none other than uh, little Billy Billy Clinton. Uh, they wheeled this guy out momentarily. This, I I love how it's talk, this another philanthropist uh, you know project. We're we're gonna fix the world, right? So was that. The world is on fire, Bill Clinton says. But teamwork can help. That's right. So give us give us more money and we'll have some, I don't know, some, I don't know, global some global initiative. That will fix the issue. <laughs> Former President Bill Clinton is calling on governments, businesses, philanthropists, and other prominent institutions, basically the establishment, to draw together and help a world that is on fire. 
as he reconvenes the Clinton Global Initiative, the meeting of international leaders for the first time since 2016. Was it too coked up or, <clears throat> I mean, the COVID stuff, they could just use that excuse for two years. Why not every year? Is this like a low-tier World Economic Forum attempt here, or what is this? I mean, they got some, I mean, some high rollers in that world to show up. Somebody needs to show up and make something good happen. Oh, there you go. That's the spirit, Bill. He said that during the conference opening public session Monday. That's what we're trying to do. Interest in the two-day meeting has been so intense that the Clinton Foundation had to turn away more than 1,000 potential attendees. Yeah, I can, I can, I can totally believe that. It's con uh, convening a spectrum of luminaries, including Jordan's Queen Rania al-Abdullah, Barbados Prime Minister Mia Motley. Well, that, that settles it right there, folks. <laughs> Top of the line. Uh, BlackRock CEO Larry Fink. Now, that's a little different when it comes to, like, global players, right? Nobel Prize winner Malala Yousafzai and actor and water actress. Act <laughs> sorry, what? yeah, I guess so. Water access activist. Sorry, is that what he is now? Matt Damon? I guess he's an actress. Water access activist. <sighs> Matt Damon. All right. Let's, uh, anyway, it's a bunch of global homo stuff. CGI, I guess they call it for source. Computer-generated image. The Clinton Global Initiative. CGI, uh, it's what they call it. And uh, here's, here's, here's another guy that showed up too. Bit little, another Billy, Billy Clinton. William Gates, uh, together with uh, uh, Bill Clinton was there, together with uh, John Kerry as well. Uh, Bill Gates on Twitter, I had a chance to connect with climate envoy John Kerry to kick off Climate Week New York City. We're both optimistic about recent momentum to accelerate the clean energy energy transition. See, that's what they're calling it now. When, when shit's going down the tubes, just say, well, we're just, um, we're just transitioning right now. It'll be fine. Don't worry about it. So, riveting stuff. Do you guys want to see some clips from it? This guy did a good job pulling out some clips from this event here. BlackRock CEO Larry Fink, Unilever CEO Alan Joppe, Joppe and one of the UN's ESG SARS, which is, of course, Environment Social Government. It's the, new, uh, it's the new strategy to get the corporate capitalist neoliberal world aboard on the uh, uh, green commie agenda. Essentially, Zardamilula Yugibungi just spoke on an ESG panel led by Bill Clinton at the Clinton Global Initiative's September meeting. All right, here we go. That music, though, am I right? Corporate upbeat five dot uh, dot mp3. Oh, they have wave, no wave dot wave. Sorry, they have, of course, you know, crisp, you know, uh, 390, what is it, nine, nine, 960 kilohertz or whatever. Um, Bill Clinton praises BlackRock CEO Larry Fink for being one of the main drivers of the ESG agenda. And, of course, we've talked about the insidiousness of this agenda uh, many a times. Uh, 
I don't think we have to relitigate that in this moment. Uh, but here's the... Uh, yeah, I thought that was Klaus too, but it wasn't. It was the... Um, uh, I think that's Alan Joppe. It looked kind of looked like Klaus Schwab. I'm surprised it didn't get Klaus, but maybe he was busy or something. Alan Joppe. Yeah, that's the guy, because it was another bald guy. That's the guy who showed up there. He looked a little bit like uh, Klaus Schwab from afar, I guess, in the clip there. Um, all right, let's, let's check out some more of these here. I want to thank you for a lot of things. I want to thank you for urging people to consider the social impact of their investments. And try not just to go for a quick rate of return if it's damaging to society, but instead to try to build a future we could all share. But what does that mean now? Well, what's going to happen? How's, what do you think for the next six, seven months? How's Russia going to play into this? How's the pandemic going to play into this? It, it won't go away. And it won't kill us, apparently. <laughs> so, <laughs> oh my God. where are we and what do you this think is great. now? Well, Mr. President, thank you for inviting me here. It's, it's an honor to be here. Um, well, Larry! Woo! Transition, and it's not going to be a pretty transition. Um, we have food insecurity worldwide, which is going to be creating more elevated prices. Just, an, just, a, just an unfortunate that's that just an unfortunate accident a side effect if you will <clears throat> of uh, of uh, the ukraine uh russia war that, that and that's it that's all it is we ex- should expect to see in food um we have imbalances in energy right now in the short term um and then on top of that we have the european government the uk government and the united states government uh, uh doing quite a large amount of fiscal stimulus at a time when we're seeing record inflation. Um, there are many bad policies that got us there, um, but, we are, but we're living in this period of time now with really elevated inflation, high on insecurity. And I would say probably the most important thing that we're missing right now, and this is something that when I've, over the last 34 years building BlackRock, we build BlackRock on the foundation of hope. Hope <laughs> is... Uh, is oh, missing no. in the world right now. Um, the polarization of ideas, the polarization of political opinions has, has really created more and more confusion. Um, and there's just growing fear. And that growing fear is showing up in so many areas. <clears throat> yeah, I wonder what that, why in the world would that fear be? And, and who's the, which team has done the polarizing again? Remember, the, we, we played this before, but just as a little reminder, remember, uh, you know, they're talking very much about like, how do we force people to comply to our way of doing things? How do we get them to kind of bow down to the, I mean, again, just let's keep it simple, like the World Economic Forum Agenda 2030 agenda of, of uh, you know, pinning every the whole capitalist system around this idea of everyone has to abide to the climate change issue. Uh, issue everyone has to abide by the woke garbage that they've been pushing and their anti-racism activism, the anti-white activism, essentially. Um, and then you have yeah things like governance, which is really later on. That's going to take you into like things where you're going to actually put like nature on the stock market. We've talked about that kind of stuff before too. But that's something that's coming in the wake of that. That's actually part of the Great Reset of readjusting the whole capitalist system. And not that that's not necessary, but what they're offering up is going to be a million times worse. Where you're going to see like uh, nature becoming like tradable asset classes. You know, we've done videos on that in the past. But here, here's Larry Fink, clips from a while ago where he's talking about how forcing behavior. That's what he means when he, when he, when he talks about that. 
He means forcing behavior not only of individuals, but of other corporations and get everybody in line to do the same global homo agenda. Well, behaviors are going to have to change. And this is one thing we're, going to, we're asking companies. Uh, you have to force behaviors. And at BlackRock, we are forcing behaviors. Of course you are. Check this little uh, goodie out that he did together with Bill Clinton. I'm sorry, uh, <laughs> I'm getting my bill bills mixed up. Bill Gates and uh, Larry Fink from BlackRock sat down and did this video about the, the path to net zero. We have some parts of the country that are very, very worried about how this transition will mean for their, their state, their locality, for their jobs. And so this is not going to be an easy task. But I would say across the board, um, capital is moving and it's going to move very rapidly. And I'm very proud that I can tell you right now, every hydrocarbon company in the United States is now focused on this. Whereas I would say three, four years ago, they weren't. They did not believe it. And so we are making change. And I would say we're making more rapid change because of Bill and other other people who are expressing this openly. And of course, they're, they're, that's true. I mean, because they're forcing this, right? You, you have to play ball in this new way of doing things, because if you don't, you'll be out. You'll be not be one of the big boys. <laughs> so he's, he's right. He's not lying here. But it's like, oh, now it's just cap all of a sudden this just happens. The bulk of emissions in the decades ahead will come from developing countries. Let's think of it in three tiers. The rich countries, that's Europe, US, Japan, the middle income countries. And those are the countries he's sinking. I mean, the, the wealthy countries are those he have been sinking his teeth in, right? To be able to control, to steer, and then you use them to go after the others. Uh, that's where most of humanity lives. That's China on the high end, high middle income, and India on the low end, and you've got... Yeah, but they don't give a shit about that. Remember, they're like, they're building coal power plants now. They're just reverted. They're not part of any of these climate deals. This is, uh, so far, this is just for the... Maybe they have some ace up their sleeve, and this is going to change at some you know point down the road or whatever. But for now, it's just like, no, that's just, it's, the West has this delusional idea, or the West, but you know what I'm saying, like, the, at least the West being manipulated into thinking, like, if we don't, we're going to kill millions of Pakistanis in, in floods if you keep eating beef, you know, that, that, like, that's kind of the narrative right now. And, like, if you just switch to eating bugs, you'll change, you'll change the weather, and you'll save lives in Pakistan. That, that's, like, kind of the emotional argument that's being made, essentially. And then we have to do electrical vehicles. And of course, that's another whole beast in of itself. We'll cover that in a moment here. But these other countries are putting out more, uh, the new stuff that they're building now, like coal power plants and stuff in terms of what China's doing, is just going to nullify. It, and, and it's not even about that, right? It's not even about CO2 emissions. That's not an issue. That's not, that's not a problem. Carbon, carbon dioxide is not a problem. Greenhouse gases is not a problem, really. You, more greenhouse gases would mean we have more green li greenhouse-like conditions. That's better. You have more plants, more foliage, more lush uh, forests and stuff, and then they put out more oxygen. You know how this works. But, of course, we're living in a time where they're trying to shut down our ecosystem because basically they want to kill everybody. So that's the, that's the plan. That's why they're going to suck carbon out of the atmosphere. We've t talked about that so many times. And bury it deep underground. You know what that's... If, if that is significantly if that managed to significantly impact our ecosystem that will be a disaster that will lead to some kind of eco collapse if they're actually allowed to continue to do that but it has it doesn't matter whatsoever 
what we do in the West, considering what the other countries are, are, are not doing or, or what they're increasing. So this is just like it. Basically, the only way you can view this is this is just a massive control mechanism. And it's a mechanism to like gain more wealth and resources, uh, making more poorer people that are more like actually suffering from environmental negative effects than, uh, than it is about saving the climate. Brazil, Mexico, Indonesia, Vietnam, a lot of the world's population there. And then you have some very poor countries uh, a lot in Africa. The responsibility to innovate uh, rests entirely on the rich countries and particularly on the U.S. because the U.S. has the universities, the national labs. It's got the ability to organize risk. And of course, he tried to take that over with uh, people like Epstein. Remember that? The big dono to Epstein. It was into weird, all that weird science and shit like that. Not an accident. Going in capital. So we will not solve climate change without the rich world driving down dramatically. That's what will make it economic for the, the middle income countries who are not responsible for the historic emissions and who are dealing with more basic needs. Uh, shut up, Bill. Anyway, you get the idea. This is what they're doing. Yeah, this is like a video together with BlackRock, the BlackRock guy right there. So that's a while ago, all right? But back to this uh, <clears throat> dumb conference here. Uh, former President Bill Clinton and BlackRock CEO Larry Fink label anyone that opposes ESG as a climate change deniers. That's right. That's the uh, the uh, the word, I guess, of the of the hour for these guys. You're den are you denying the climate? I've heard even. I want to say one thing about. Larry, that I really admire, quite apart from the fact that he's not a climate change denier. <laughs> uh, I'm the target of all those. He, uh, th this may be more important. I think one of the two or three factors most responsible for an unsustainable rate of inequality in the world today is that decades ago, Actually, when Hillary and I were in law school, that's a long time ago, <laughs> in the United States and elsewhere, people stopped teaching corporate law the way it used to be taught. It, 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 corporations, when I was a kid coming up and when I went to law school, were creatures of the state who had responsibilities to all their stakeholders. Yes, they're investors, but also they're employees, they're suppliers, they're customers in the communities of which they were a part. Then there was a whole long period of time when basically it was the stakeholders here, the shareholders here, and everybody else down here for many places, especially in the United States. You're doing good, Bill. This is great. And he's tried to bring back the balance not just for climate change, but for the health of society as a whole. And there I, you go. I'm yep. very grateful to you for that. I, uh, thank you, thank you, Larry Fink, CEO of BlackRock, for bringing back this idea that we like that for the health of society again. <laughs> That's what they they're known for. One thing, it's it's definitely that. Uh, I mean, and then some some people argue. Oh, see, it's just uh, empty virtue signaling. They, they, they've just clung on to like this climate change thing, and then they can pose as they're doing good, and nothing really happens. I've seen those arguments too, and I was like, no, no, no. They're actually 
they're actually doing shit that is detrimental to the environment. They're making things worse. They're making sure that they'll have more, we have less. Essentially, boil down in the most simplistic you know, terms, that's what this is about. More control for them, more resources. They will have their filet mignons. They will have their you know, caviar flown in still from Russia. You know what I mean? The finest caviar from Russia, the, the most exquisite uh, sushi from Japan, you know, beef from... Uh, Argentina, whatever, you know what I mean? Um, you know, special cheese from France. You, you know how this goes, right? They'll have all that, and this is the insurance policy that they will be able to continue to have all that like they always have had. So this is to like a way to kneecap the plebes, essentially. And it's not that there aren't environmental you know, problems, uh, toxicity, where, as we've shown a few weeks ago, because of this energy crisis, now they're cutting down old-growth forest in Europe and claiming that this is green somehow. And it's just like, oh, they're producing wood pellets by just like shoveling, you know, uh, sh is that the word, shoveling? Um, uh, <laughs> felling all the, all, all the old-growth trees, essentially, uh, in many parts of Europe, which is insane, right? And it's like, well, that's the point also. The point is also not only to take more control and to, to alter things and change it, I think the point is to dis to dis destroy the, the the environment. I know that sounds like maybe you know cartoonish or absurd or whatever, but it's like if they get their way. This 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 will look like you know Mars essentially. Eventually, that that's the that's the plan here. You know what I mean? Let's check out the next uh, clip here. So, Dominola, you and sustainable energy for all occupy a real growing space, connecting the United Nations state actors and the private sector in pursuing the UN Sustainable Development Goals, especially number seven, which is sustainable energy for all of us. <laughs> so yeah, that talk worked to the out, audience right? here about the importance of equitable access to clean energy. While a lot of the world is focused on decarbonizing the economy, unless it's done in an equitable way, in the end, the effort won't succeed, I don't think. So talk to us a little about what you're trying to do with your organization. Thank you, Mr. President, for having me today. Who was this again? <clears throat> this is like uh, UNASG Czar. Okay, okay, she's, okay, I've actually not heard of her before. She got to be the uh, Damilio Yubungui. Uh, how do you pronounce that? Okay, all right. <laughs> Just, just checking. Let's see. Uh, important topic that we sometimes leave without, and that's energy poverty. And energy poverty easily affects a billion people, of which 600 million reside in Africa. So when we think about a just and equitable energy transition, we can't think of one or half of the world and leave out the developing countries. The truth of the matter is climate development and energy have to go hand in hand. We don't have to do one and then the other and then come back. And what we're seeing is that the policies and the decisions that are being made by the developed countries are not just and they're not equitable as they relate to the developing world. There is no scenario um, of having a billion people left in energy poverty and still achieving your climate goals. It just, it, it just doesn't happen. Because if you, if you take Africa as a continent um, and you maybe sub-Saharan Africa and you remove South Africa, you've got 81 gigawatts of energy. That means being born black African like myself, I'm 20 times at disadvantage energy-wise at any other human being on Earth. Just 
I love that then it's like, well, but who built this, these systems, right? Of course, they were developed in the West, but the, then there's this <clears throat> baked in assumption that somehow everyone should just have equal access to things when obviously there is a different distribution of where development happened, where innovation happened, where technologies were developed, but it's always like this, nope, you should not only back in, uh, you know, or, you know, late, mid to late 1800s develop things for your country and the people around you and doing, but you should also have developed all of that for all the other people and continents and countries that never did do those things. <laughs> That's also amazing about it. Oh, it's just the inequity. Well, why didn't you do it then? Why didn't your people do that? That's the other baked-in ridiculous aspect of this, but that's because a large part of this is also anti-whiteness, ironically. It's not just about the climate, right? Being born on that continent, that is a huge issue, and that is where the equity comes in. There, that's where the equity comes in. So, so here we go. Right, here's the United Nations Sustainable Development Goals, and we've seen people like Prince Charles, right? He has his... Uh, pins on with that you see the o there with all the colors in it under goals that's you know you see that a revamped version of that logo everywhere now people are it's like a kind of a signature symbol that you're like part of the the, the whole thing right no poverty okay well who's pay, who's paying for all of this if you go through these goals but then it turns out the majority of the goals are actually migrant oriented Sustainable Development Goal 10 is, is called Reduce Inequity. Facilitate orderly, safe, regular, and responsible migration and mobility of people, including through the imp uh, implementation of planned and well-managed migration policies. And you know what that means. That means taking people out of the second and the third world and placing them in the Western world. That's reducing in inequality. It's just to drive them out. And here's the, uh, maybe I should have shown this first, but here's the uh, Agenda 2030 for Sustainable Development Goal. Migration is a cross-cutting issue in the 2030 Agenda relevant to all of the Sustainable Development Goals. At least 10 out of the 17 goals contain targets and indicators that are directed directly relevant to migration. It says right there. So that's why the whole thing is also about like replacement and anti-whiteness and stuff. And of course, that makes sense when you look at it, right? I mean, Christ, like you're people like Gillian Maxwell speaking at the e at the UN. Remember, she was like the 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 ocean. Uh, what, what do they call her? Uh, ocean envoy or something? Or like she's the lady to talk to about uh, clean oceans or something? I forget how they introduced her at the, at the UN, the panel that she was talking at. My six Gorillion says, I wonder if uh, Clinton is hoping for a knob job from that ship. <laughs> you know, I think he's always hoping. I think he's always uh, looking for a good, uh, a good, a good blow job, as they say. Uh, all right. Here's that Unilever guy who looked like Klaus Schwab, I guess. He's sitting down here, Bill Clinton, with Alan uh, uh, Joppe. Thank you, my six Gorillion, too, by the way. Uh, discussing how Unilever is putting the ESG agenda ahead of their fiduciary duty to shareholders. Make the case based on your evidence for the people here who might like to do what you're doing but think it's not economically feasible. I uh, love the challenging question, Mr. President. Um, of course, 
when you were being taught at law school, you were taught about fiduciary responsibility. And um, I think most chief execs carry around that sense of fiduciary responsibility and wear it heavily. Um, there is an element of risk and risk avoidance associated with trying to run a business on a sustainable platform. Right now, our company in Pakistan, one of our finest businesses around the world, is underwater. Um, we'll push. There it is. Did, didn't I mention that? That they, That's one thing that I've seen recurring over and over again. You in the West have to feel bad because you made the weather turn in Pakistan and blood is now on your hands. They're literally using that. Now, of course, climate change is natural. It happens every, uh, you know, all, all the time. You're going from summer to uh, to autumn to fall that's that's climate change right there you know you have bigger cycles with you know star, solar activity and then you have stars galactic radio all kinds of things they're playing into it but they're kind of like 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 a, a priest class could do in the days of old when people are more superstitious you could like will you know if you don't do this we'll make uh, we'll make the earth tremble or we'll make the uh, moon uh, go away or the sun is going to be eclipsed you know sun's going to hide I mean, it's like this. They understood certain level of like astronomy, and with that, they could manipulate, you know, superstitious people. And it's kind of the same way here, in a way. I'm not saying they're understanding the systems, but I'm saying like they understand that like shit like this will happen, but they can weaponize it and then say, "See, because you're not agree, you you because you're still driving your gas-powered car or your combustion engine car, or you're not eating the bugs. You're contributing to like millions dying." You feel proud over yourself? Push through that, um, but it's not a great place to be selling food or personal care products when you're underwater or on fire. But I want to shift the emphasis away. Yeah, everyone from is. Risk uh, to every, everyone is certainly on fire right now. That's that's uh, definitely the the number one issue. The other side of fiduciary responsibility. The evidence is building so quickly that people want to buy products from companies and brands that operate to high standards of sustainable behavior and ethical conduct. And our brands, which people see as being making a positive contribution to society or the planet, are growing three times faster than the rest of our portfolio. It's a simple matter of consumer choice. There are often costs in the short term, but we've saved about 1.2 billion euros through sustainable sourcing. This need not be an on-cost. And of course, there's uh, the reputational side um, of sustainability. Unilever is now the employer of choice in 50 countries around the world in our sector because it's a magnet for young talent. People want to come and join companies where they can make a positive impact. So uh, just to be unambiguous, Unilever is not an NGO. We're a for-profit organization. And our commitment to sustainable yeah, business and proper conduct is very strongly driven by serving our shareholders as a consequence of serving our people, our customers, our societies, and the communities that we do business in. Yep, that's the ESG plan right there. <clears throat> so instead of just having this one-layer simple, like, yeah, I mean, fiduciary responsibility, it's like, you know, the bottom line, always make more money. The decision will always have to be made whatever can make you more money. And certainly there are problems with that as well, but at least that was something very kind of straightforward and head on and like, okay, well, that's what it's about. It's about the bottom line and that's it. You know what I mean? Now it's this weird, like now, now all these social things, environmental things, everything is weaved into it. And of course, if, if this was like, oh, for 
actually looking out for people. Okay, well, that would be good then. But now it's like, let's uh, let's ensure that uh, this company don't have too many white people. Like shit like that has been nestled itself into neoliberal capitalist uh, corporations now and now they're pushing anti-white stuff they're pushing like crazy environmental policies which again always would benefit them at the end of the day uh and taking out their competition and all these things right all right a couple of more here are these uh larry fink reiterates his new esg talking point claiming the climate risk is investment risk that's right we've been seeing that too it's like well you know long term we'll all die and that's kind of bad for investors so we have to take the responsibility now of putting in this global homo, uh, you know, kind of system in place, and that will save everybody. So, in fact, we're doing the right thing here. We got to have money to power this uh, shift. What you have forecasted as a tectonic shift as the world prepares for a decarbonized future. So, that's that's literally insane. I, I, I it's. It's as bad or even worse than like some of the uh, crazy stuff you saw in Idiocracy with like giving, you know, was a rondo to plants or something or <laughs> Gatorade essentially to plants. It's like we're going to decarbonize everything. It's literally like a lunatic idea. It's completely insane from a sci actual science point of view. How are we going to get from where we are now to where we need to go? Well, the tectonic shift is happening. We're seeing that in evidence by where crops are being produced and where they're not being produced. So we are seeing big shifts or where, um, uh, because of heat. It's got electrolytes. It's got, it's got what Prince Clint's play crave. In drought, we're seeing crops moving. And so we're seeing, we're seeing evidence every day that climate risk is investment risk. And people are waking up to that, and that's creating this tectonic shift. Um, and we're seeing evidence, of whether that is in sequestration of carbon, and, we, and, and we're going to be working with many large energy companies on the sequestration because they own these big caverns that were once caverns filled with hydrocarbons, and now they're empty. And so we're going to be using that. You're going to put carbon uh, back in and there? So we are not going to get to a decarbonized world unless we have the ability to sequest, you know, carbon. Fucking idiots. It's, it's incredible. <clears throat> it's incredible that these people are in charge. It's literally like a death sentence for humanity and, and, and all life on it, for that matter, too. Um, ESG driving energy prices higher is actually positive because it shrinks the green premium. Yeah, it's this whole, the other thing of this, you know, that I think you guys understand that, but like this whole you know, carbon credits and like selling carbon credits and like there's a, this whole other artificial, I mean, you could literally see, I don't know, like some kind of digital currency or something be actually actually being based on carbon in the future or something. I, I know they're going to do the the route where they, uh, they put different uh, new asset classes on the stock markets that will be tied to, to nature and to natural resources, but even to natu natural natural uh, uh, functions in nature and properties that exists in nature. That's what, um, uh, well, now King Charles III, but at that time Prince Prince Charles were talking about uh, when he did that first video on the Great Reset. He was talking about we need a new economy and a new way of doing, you know, uh, mo the mon monetary system and capitalism. And that's what they're talking about. That that's what these guys are talking about. Just monetize. Uh, the shit out of nature, essentially. That's that's ultimately where this is going. And carbon credits might very well be part of that, or it's just a, a stepping stone uh, on the way to that. 
because of the rising energy prices, we are certainly seeing the green premium shrink quite considerably. And so the amount of investment dollars that are going into new decarbonization technology is accelerating and accelerating very rapidly because yep. of the rising energy. All right. Fucking lunatics. What else do we had over there? Quite a bit. Oh, well, oh look at that. <clears throat> yep, there you go. The jokes write themselves sometimes. Yikes. All right. Uh, let, me do, let me do a couple of more <laughs> of these here. Watch this one. Uh, let's see. BlackRock Energy. Oh, we got that one. Larifin calls to change the charters of the International Monetary Fund, the World Bank, along with bringing together all governments to facilitate... Uh, this uh, ESG transition. Interesting. You, you, you're saying someone openly is trying to argue that we should run a kind of a global government here with banks involved? Sounds like an uh, anti-Semitic uh, conspiracy, Larry. But if we are going to change the world, there's just not enough money that's going to go into the emerging world. And... Uh, we must change the charters of the IMF and the World Bank, or we're, or we're not going to get there. There's just not, there's just not enough capital. It is estimated to decarbonize the emerging world is a trillion dollars a year. We're talking maybe a hundred billion dollars is moving into the, in the emerging world. And so, um, but, but there's, a, there's huge pools of capital, but that capital is just not equipped to be taking the first loss piece. And so if we're really serious about the notion of moving the world faster so our children and grandchildren can have that bright future, it has to be done in a, in, in a way that we're bringing all the governments together. We have to relook at the, the responsibilities and the roles of the World Bank and the IMF. And, and they play important roles. They have important connections with all these countries. Um, but we need to find a way to stop thinking about a project here and a project there. That's happening, but it's happening at such a slow rate, we are not gonna get there. We're, we're fooling ourselves to think that one project, which may be a significant project, is gonna decarbonize the world at the time that we need. And so we have to have uh, a holistic review of how we are gonna get there. And obviously we have COP27 coming up, in, in Egypt, in COP28, in Abu Dhabi, and, and hopefully in these forums that we are going to bring this together and start really thinking about it. But it's, that, it's up to the equity owners of these agencies, basically the G20, uh, and they have to have a desire to doing this instead of just the words, they have to have the desire. If we can do that, the amount of capital that's going to go into the emerging world, into Africa, will be extraordinary. And, and I do believe there is that opportunity in the next few years. And, and, and then we will have not just a tectonic shift in the developed world, but a tectonic shift in all of the world. Yeah. So that's a bunch of bullshit. But basically a bunch of nonsense. Uh, I mean, the West has given uh, Africa like, what, five trillions right 50 marshall plants talked about that story too just down a hole just give us more money and of course meanwhile they're sitting on most of the wealth managing most of the wealth at least right uh, between them blackrock and vanguard uh 20 trillion they will own almost everything by 2028 but somehow 
you needed to pay to fulfill this individual's personal views on what we should do with the global, you know, uh, the trajectory essentially of, of the global economy and the environment and all these policies and stuff like that. You still need to fork out. Send, give all this money so we can fix Africa. <laughs> That's basically what it's saying. All right, let me see what else we could play here. Do a couple of more and then we'll wrap up here. George Orwell in discussing the climate. Cites George Orwell in discussing the climate emergency and anti-woke backlash. What is Unilever this? fits into what Larry just said. You know, not every company lends itself as easily as some do to environmentally responsible production and distribution. To, to doing our bidding, that's what I'm saying. What do you want to say about that to other countries, uh, companies in other countries? Um, you know, in 1939, George Orwell wrote that we have sunk to such depths that stating the obvious is the first responsibility of every person. And he was talking about a book on power um, written by Bertrand Russell, but it applies to today because stating the obvious that we have an emergency, we have a climate emergency, is becoming an unpopular thing to do. This anti-sustainability backlash, this anti-woke backlash, um, is incredibly dangerous for the world. And the first thing that Unilever <laughs> will do is we will not back down on this agenda despite these populist actions. We, we will continue to push trannies on your kids. <clears throat> if, if we have anything to say with it, your, your son will have a neo-vagina within a couple of years. All right? That's, that's, just we set the record straight here. Applause after that, of course. Accusations. Oh, my God. I can't make it up, huh? Uh, Blackers is one of the main drivers helping them push their ESG, ESG agenda, he says. Uh, Alan Joppa calls making ESG ratings mandatory. This is like the social credit score for businesses here. And the final point is once you have a plan, we need metrics because at the moment we're consistently reporting financial metrics around the world, but we're at great danger right now of fragmenting the reporting of non-financial metrics. There's a US initiative from the SEC, there's a, a Global Sustainability Board initiative, and the Europeans are setting off on their own chart, path. And uh, we need to go a little bit slower to go faster on consistent reporting of sustainability metrics. And that's how the flows that Larry and Dami are calling for will happen when you can measure it. And the final point right. is... Okay. Yeah, more insane bullshit, basically. <clears throat> we have one more here. Uh, when asked by Bill Clinton about where the money is going to come from to facilitate a global ESG transition, uh, this is what she answers. I think first, just like Alan said, first recognize it's a crisis. And, you know, just to how we found is it 14 or 17 trillion for COVID, the money must be there somewhere. About that. I think there you first, go. So like the Alan money said. must be, somehow we will squeeze the money out of everybody. <laughs> of course, COVID, COVID was just a big bullshit. Um, I mean, I mean, overall, I mean, just easily looking at the situation. I mean, it was it served an agenda, of course, obviously. It wasn't just like whipped up for no reason, but like the amount of money that it managed to funnel to the elite and taken away from lower middle class people. The, the, the vaccine, like all these things tied into it. But it's always a crisis. That's always how they get you. It's always the crisis, right? And, of course, these are the same people who are like, yeah, let's push uh, the electrical electrical vehicle. That's something you can do. And this is basically like a, 
I mean, the 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 mercury filled so-called green light bulb that Al Gore was promoting back in two thousand five, six, seven, eight, or whenever it was. That's like nothing compared to like this new shift that they're seeking to do to this like new sustainable economy and like electrical vehicles and everything being electric or whatever. Uh, but uh, last clip I play here for today as one of this <coughs> guys uh, uh, clarify that if you genuinely are concerned with like how much oil you're using for certain products or uh, anything when it comes to the, 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 you know, climate and things like that, um, you're always just offsetting it onto something else. There, there's never a shortcut. There's never something that's just going to be like, oh, this is neutral and brand new and super excellent for everything. It's just like, no, you just you shift it onto something else or to someone else. There's always some kind of consequence for it. And again, not that carbon is an issue. Uh, but anyway, listen to what this guy says here regarding the craze for like electrical vehicles. So all electric by 2035, is it practical to do it now? Well, we can make this whole discussion easy with the two letter word, no. There's no such thing, of course, as a zero emissions vehicle. The real question is where are the emissions associated with the electric car? Because what you do with an electric vehicle is you don't eliminate emissions, you export them somewhere else. You have to dig up about 500,000 pounds of materials to make a single thousand pound battery. It takes 100 to 300 barrels of oil to manufacture a battery that can hold one barrel of oil equivalent of energy. Just manufacturing the battery can have a carbon debt rate ranging from 10 tons to 40 tons of CO2. And the plans that are in place to increase the use of batteries will require an increase in production of minerals like lithium, cobalt, zinc. Demand for those minerals will increase between 400% and 4,000%. Isn't enough mining in the world to make enough batteries for that many people for their for their cars, he answered. Yep, there you go. That's that's uh, that's about it. It's offsetting it. German wind tur turbines near Leipzig doing everything they, they can to help solve the energy crisis. <clears throat> Here you go. This is uh, your uh, your green environment in action. Make it look like a weird tripod from like outer space have landed, uh, you know, <laughs> on your fields, around your forests, in your waters, even in some cases. This like looks like an alien invasion. Of course, the fact that they're not moving doesn't make it any better. Oh, there's a couple. Oh, there's one moving in the back right there. Total insanity. Complete clown show, this whole fucking thing. All right, guys, I'm going to wrap up right there. Thanks so much for joining us today. A little impromptu uh, stuff last minute here. A little delayed on the uh, live broadcast if you're watching live. Uh, otherwise, of course, thank you if you're watching on Red Ice TV, RedIceMembers.com, uh, Odyssey, BitChute, Rumble, VK, uh, Float. What else are we? We have a couple of options for you guys. But anyway... Uh, check out more over at redassmembers.com. We have some uh, new members-only content up here. As I said in the beginning of the show, we were away for a couple of days, um, so no weekend warrior. But we'll be back on that, sh uh, you know, back on that ship uh, the coming weekend here. So uh, check that out. And of course, we have tons of stuff in the archives as well, uh, both exclusive videos, but also the second hour of many of the interviews that we've done. Uh, and then, of course, the members exclusive. Uh, show Weekend Warriors. So definitely check that out. You can sign up over at redicemembers.com right now, but you can also sign up at subscribestar.com forward slash red ice, entropystream.live slash red ice. They have a um, they have a 10 um uh, also you can do you can set rather a ten dollar uh, a month recurring uh, you know payment subscription over at entropy if that's what you prefer. Uh, the same, of course, on Subscribestar. It's you know month-to-month -month recurring, but you but you can also do a one-time payment on Entropy as well. 
Uh, and if you do a one-time payment, we have from three months up to two years, and it gets cheaper per month as well. Uh, a couple of other different methods that we have, the cash apps working for now, uh, an e-check option for those in the U.S. We do accept virtually any crypto. If you don't see it listed at redhousemembers.com when you sign up, uh, just send us an email and uh, we can most likely help you out as well, give you an, uh, a wallet address. Uh, or you can use a P.O. box or mailing address, I should say, as well. Uh, that's up there on screen right now. And also, of course, at the end of the show, as usual, I want to say thanks to our executive producers. We have a couple of newcomers with us uh, as well. T. Lothrop Stoddard. These are some of the uh, old and good ones we've had with us for a while. Thank you, guys. V. Miller, Resin Revolt, Good Luck Lap, Jake, Red Pill Rundown, Chalky Milk, and then our latest edition here is Wild Rose Active Club, French 47, Mark Smith, No One Jeeps, and President Obunga. And we also have Mr. Walker 696 as a producer. Thank you, guys. We appreciate you. Uh, and by the way, we're seeking getting about 20 or so executive producers, and then we can actually get a... Did I not import that? I should have that in here. There it is. Uh, we're looking at getting a full-time editor aboard as well. So if you want to help out towards that effort, we're looking at getting about 20 executive producers uh when we get there we can hire a full-time editor uh so please help us reach that next phase we have i think we're close to 12 11 last time i checked uh if there's the latest one that dropped in sorry if i didn't um put you in here last minute uh but we'll check that i think we're like 12 so we're over halfway there so thank you guys we appreciate you but again uh that'd be great uh help uh if you want to make sure that we can do more uh do better and of course get um uh, more stuff out for you guys as well because we need help. We're uh, over overworked and undermanned. So anyway, that's a that's a good option for you to check out. We have a couple of different tiers over there on Subscribestar as well. Uh, we have a plus tier, then we have a producer tier, and also an executive producer tier. All right, guys, thank you so much. We appreciate you. We're going to be back with more here soon. Of course, Friday coming up here as usual, Flashback Friday. Then we have Weekend Warrior. We have a couple of interviews lined up as well here, getting ready to be booked in. Uh, some more stuff coming. Thank everybody. Appreciate you joining us. Let me check. Uh, let me check if we have everything. I think we're caught up on Odyssey and Rumble. Yes, ladies and gentlemen, uh, we appreciate you. We'll be back with more soon. Until then, take care, and we'll see you soon. Do you love Red Ice? Want more? Get access to exclusive material by signing up for a Red Ice membership. You'll be able to watch Weekend Warrior, our flagship show, the second hour of interviews and other special feature videos only for subscribers. Were you a member and we lost you along the way? Renew! We love and appreciate you guys and gals and cannot do this without you. Help us be a sane voice, a lighthouse in the sea of insanity. As times get tougher, as people are searching for answers, they're going to need content like red ice. A little of all your support can go a long way. Thank you.